what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. The hair is so lovely. Yeah. Hey, this is Bram from Shinedown. You're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stain, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the Band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to, you have the privilege of listening to Mistress Carrie. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie, reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 175 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we get to this week's guest, Mark LaBelle from Dirty Honey, I want to remind you about all of the features of MistressCarrie.com. Not only can you find every episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast and every episode of my video show, Cocktails in the War Room, you can also check out my concert calendar and my blog, and you can shop in the online Mistress Carrie store. You can even let me know what you thought of the episode. Just click the message the studio button. Just go online to mistresscarry.com. Mark LaBelle from Dirty Honey is getting ready to release the band's upcoming new album, Can't Find the Breaks, on November 3rd. This is his second appearance on the show. He and John from Dirty Honey were on episode 45, and he also appeared on Cocktails in the War Room in July of 2020. The band is finishing up the year on a headlining tour with Austin Mead through the middle of December. And Mark checked in to talk about his hat collection, his love of Aerosmith and ACDC, being back on the road and touring in places like Australia. We also talked about his extensive motorcycle trips, binge-watching The Big Lebowski and Succession on the tour bus, Halloween, Tom Brady, and so much more. I absolutely love the guys from Dirty Honey and cannot wait for the new album to come out on November 3rd. So allow me to reintroduce you to Mark LaBelle from Dirty Honey. Mr. Mark LaBelle, how are you? I'm so good. I'm home for once, so I'm uh, happy and uh, refreshed. Yeah, it's nice. I can always tell when you're home because you have your hat collection on the wall behind you. You mean this doesn't happen? Um in uh i don't know biloxi mississippi i mean look if you have a road case for your hat collection and you put them up in the dressing room and everything that's rock star shit and i would be fine with it i wish i did that'd be awesome i was just um hanging with zach uh zach myers from shinedown at uh this gig we did in philadelphia and he's got the like the sick road case it's all lit and all the stuff is in there i was like damn that looks nice yeah i gotta get me one of those I'm going to see them tomorrow, actually. Yeah, they put on a great show. Huh? Yeah, they really yeah. do. Uh, I had a hat conversation um, with the guys from Rival Sons, Jay Buchanan specifically, about yeah. where he gets his hats because it's it's big now. Like, hats have become, like, hats are back. Yeah, they are for sure. And, uh, well, where does Jay get his? 
He's, he didn't wear a lot of hats when we were touring with him, actually. He does a lot of them in pictures, like album artwork, pictures and stuff. He's got a guy in Italy that makes them for him. Okay. So. I think he's got some guy in Italy making his suits and stuff, too, he said. so. Yeah, like, I'm sure he does. He's a very snappy dresser. I appreciate Italians, that. You know. I don't, they, they're going to have to call him uh, Jay Buccanini now or something. <laughs> so <laughs> where really are you fitting. getting all your hats? Do you got a guy, too? Yeah, I got a guy. I'm. Uh, he's in Venice, um, California. He's right up the road from me. Um, and they're very sweet and like they're expensive, but they they take pretty good care of me. If I ever like, I like to change them up pretty often. So uh, it's fun to go there, and they've got like crazy walls of fabrics and stuff that we can, you know, take a hat that looks a certain way and make it look completely different in like twenty minutes. So it's uh, it's fun, and I like doing it myself too. I got a bunch of fabrics here that I like mess with and i'll um just like redesign them on the fly and the one that i wear the most i kind of like made myself um from a vintage like stetson like years ago and i don't know for whatever reason it just fits me good and i like it so keep that's them been under the main lock thing. and key because slash yeah. told me in an interview a while back that the original top hat got stolen in boston oh did it that was a that was an angry Joe Perry fan. I heard that uh, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, I, I heard he got that hat back uh, after he gave Joe Perry his fifty nine Les Paul back for his birthday. So, yeah, interesting. I always get good rock star trivia from you. <laughs> Maybe Joe stole it from you know. That would be the greatest thing ever if these guys. I are wonder if that's actually true. Joe, I've heard Joe uh, tell that story a couple times, and. Um, I haven't had the chance to ask Slash whether or not he actually got the OG hat back. So hold on, let me just pick up the names you just dropped. Mar Mark Labelle from Dirty Honey, who just toured with Wait, Guns yeah, N' Roses. You did, you did it too. Yeah, you're touring with him. I'm just talking about interviews. <laughs> you just finished opening up for Guns N' Roses. Yeah, what? it was awesome. It was awesome. Those guys are killer, man. It's uh, it's been really fun. It's obviously an amazing opportunity, and um, it's. It's crazy to think that we've been with them in London and uh, Italy. We played Milan with them at San Siro and, we, you know, Biloxi, Mississippi to Knoxville, Tennessee. We've been all over with those guys. So it's been uh, it's been a fun little journey the last, you know, two years or so. I went to the Boston show at Fenway Park. The Pretenders opened that one because Guns N' Roses uh, yeah, yeah. rotated through and the skies opened up. It's one of the most surreal concert experiences I've ever seen. First of all, we're living in the era of Happy Axel, which for yep. longtime Guns N' Roses fans is weird. Yeah, yeah. And early on in the show, they played Velvet Revolver. Yep. And when he got to the lyric, here comes the water, the skies opened up in Boston and it started pouring and everybody, including me, was looking up to see if it was part of the show at first because it just was like wow. somebody turned the water <clears throat> on. It was crazy. Like a biblical. Axel's got power like that, though, you know, so you never know what's up to see. He might be like summoning the gods or something to help us out. You know, it was really weird to see Guns N' Roses at family friendly Fenway because 25 right. years ago, that's nothing that any, like 30 years ago in the height of Guns N' Roses riot craziness never would have been allowed. 
it's fun just hearing the stories from they have a lot of crew that have been with them for the whole time um yeah it's just it's awesome like just picking those guys' brains at like dinner and stuff and like what like that happened oh what happened here you know they like they know they were there yeah so um, yeah there's a lot of a lot of chaotic history with those guys that i love i love as a fan so yeah me too um since the last time i talked to you which by the way was in april of 2021 on the podcast which is crazy that it's been that long it's crazy that's been that long and it's crazy how much has happened since then too well yeah we were neck deep in COVID at that point just kind of fantasizing about the time when bands would be able to release new albums and go out on the road. And now that's what's happening. I think we went out pretty shortly after we spoke. Um, Cause we were definitely one of the first bands to go back out on the road, but yeah, it's, uh, it's nice. It's really nice to be back doing shows like with no restrictions and it's just, it's how it's supposed to be. Like I, I was not into the, you know, let's overbook a event or let's let's book a venue that's twice the size of what you're supposed to be playing so that people can socially do it's just like I'm I'm done with that. You know what I mean? Um well for being safe and everything, but it's just it wasn't rock and roll to, to be doing it that way. So it was it was refreshing to get back out there because when we first went out, vaccines were rolling out, there was a lot of optimism about this thing you know, going away and we rolled right into the black crows tour. And then about a week or two into the black crows tour, things got a little squirrely again. And, uh, you know, it is what it is, but it was still fun. Those guys didn't give a shit about COVID (laughs) (laughs) or about what anybody else had to say about anything. I sincerely doubt the Robinson brothers give a shit about like, I'm just impressed. Speaking of era of happy Axel, we're living in the era where the Robinson brothers are in the same room. They're awesome. I love those guys. I just saw them not too long ago again. Um, actually with Aerosmith in Philly. And uh, yeah, they're awesome. Those guys are total rock stars and live the life. And yeah, nobody's going to tell them no or anything other than what they want to do. Like they're just, they're the Robinson brothers are legendary for that. So the, the Aerosmith tour kicked off in Philly and I started getting a lot of drunk texts from friends of mine that were at that show because mm-hmm. Aerosmith made the documentary about their 50-year career that right. they showed before the residency in Vegas, the Deuces Are Wild residency. Yeah. And I'm in it. If you look really fast. I think I sent, oh no, what, did I send you that? You didn't, but but other people did that they saw me in my interview with James Hetfield from Metallica on the Aerosmith documentary. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I've seen that like that uh, video several times now because I saw that show a couple times, and obviously the the Philly one too. So um, I did notice that. I did notice that. We're f- crossing our fingers that Steven Tyler's voice is going to be good for New Year's Eve because they're going to be in Boston on New Year's Eve with the Crows, and I, I, I if I have to sever a limb, you'll go. I'll go. I was at their New Year's Eve show thirty <clears throat> years ago. Which is Damn. crazy. It's the last night I had a cigarette. <laughs> Was it after sex? No, no, I got, uh, I got walking pneumonia. Speaking of getting sick at rock concerts. 
I was on Christmas break my senior year in college, got walking pneumonia, woke up after two weeks of being in a feverish cold sweat and was like, haven't had a cigarette. Maybe I just won't have another one. And I never did. Yeah. Well, that's a good way to stop. Um, <laughs> yeah. Getting the plague. Yeah. Good way to quit smoking. Yeah. Almost dying. Yeah. That'll, that'll shake things up. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I bring up your last appearance on the show is because when I talked to you and John, um, you showed yourself being a very good, um, how do I want to phrase this? At You're very good at rock star impressions. And your Malcolm Young impression has been played on the radio multiple times since you and I talked because you told me the story about Brian Johnson talking to you about how they toured on Back in Black before the record came out. Oh, that was crazy. And your impression of the Young Brothers is so dead on that I play it all the time on the radio. Do you do other rock star impressions? Oh, God. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody. I don't even know what Malcolm Young, Malcolm Young just seems like a, like an Australian, like, yeah. That's he's what got you did. And you were, you were talking man, about well, how Brian Johnson was like, peace, Malcolm. I know, right? You were talking about um, how uh, Brian Johnson was on stage and nobody had heard back in black yet. That's what we were nobody talking Nobody had heard about. anything. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that was the craziest story. I was like, wow. Like, I can't imagine like what they were thinking. He wasn't even confident that that was. His friends were like, oh, you're singing way too high. That record's going to be a flop. And they just like went to the pub, the pub and like drank. And then like obviously Back in Black is like the greatest record of all time. Um, and now, two, you know, wonder, two and a half years later, he's back with ACDC and getting yeah, ready back. to play a show. Yeah. Like so much has changed I, since I saw you. I can't make that show. I wish I could because... Um, I would love to see them, but hopefully they'll go on tour too. That'd be awesome. But yeah, I don't think I do any like particular um, rock star impressions. I can't think of anything. Well, your ACDC impression is unless legendary. Unless I'm on the mic, you know, like doing a cover cover song or something. I could probably do a pretty good caricature of a few of them. Well, I've got my fingers crossed that the governor of Nevada is right when he says he wants ACDC to play the Super Bowl. I'm like... I, I'm That'd be awesome. I'm crossing yeah. my fingers that this is because if it doesn't happen this year, it's probably never going to happen. Hey, I don't know. Those guys look pretty good. Oh, They're in shape, you know? They oh, look good. Yeah, but now's the time. Coming off a of power but How trip. long have we we've been saying the same thing about the Stones for, what, 30 years? I know, and they got a new record coming out. <laughs> I know. That's so, insane. like, you know, the life expectancy of rock stars is uh, going up, I think. Well, it's also going down. It's also going up. Matter of fact, the Rolling Stones are coming out with a new album before you. That's insane. Slackers. I know. Bastards. Well, they took like 10 years to do it. 18. They took 18 years? For yeah. an album of original songs, 18 years. That's wild. Yeah, no, it's uh, they sound good, though. So. Yeah. Well, I'm so sure do you. Tour, and I'm sure I'm going to go. I'm going to see them a bunch. Like, it's wild. I know. I can't imagine, like, doing that this like till I'm that age you know well they've said that they could never have imagined it and I don't think anybody would have bet one red cent that Keith Richards would still be, be alive right that's what I'm saying that's nuts I know 
Good for him, though. You know, he's um, he said in his books, if you only do the best drugs, they're better for you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. Can you can you say he's wrong? He's living proof. I don't know. (laughs) know. (laughs) Speaking of new albums, we got to talk about yours because you guys finally found some time during the downtime to work on the new record. So. Talk to me about Can't Find the Breaks. When did the process start? Because it had to have been after I talked to you last. Yeah, for sure. It really started um, kind of when we went on that first European run last, uh, the summer of, what year is it? 22. So we went to Europe for the first time. And while we were waiting to play our first show, um, we were we had a couple of days off in London just to get like acclimated to the time change. And that's when John played me the riff for won't take me alive with like a full demo drums, bass, everything. And I was like, fuck, that's pretty good, dude. So then we went to the show with rival sons. We played with them. We played with with them in Malmo, Sweden first. And then we had a little more time the next night we were in, uh, I think it was Aarhus, Denmark, random city. I know, but they had a really great sound system and we had some time to sound check and we started messing around with this riff and it, um, started to take shape pretty quickly. And, you know, that's when we were like, all right, this is, this is the first one. Like, let's keep building on this. And every, you know, every time we had a couple extra minutes of town check, we'd work on stuff and, um, and that led into the next tour. And we, we just really had to carve out enough downtime to write, you know, here in LA and get together every day. And, and then obviously get back to Australia. That was a big, that's a big uh, commitment. So you need time for that one. Everybody that I that I've interviewed that's toured in Australia raves about how great the audiences are, how beautiful it is, but the planning and execution of a tour that far away. Yeah. It's a lot of moving parts. We've never done a, a tour there. We were actually going to do some shows when we went to record. We were like, let's, you know, maybe let's go do some shows and get inspired, you know, and see what these people are all about. And we just, we ultimately decided let's just take this time to make a great record and, you know, we'll get back there. Obviously that's a huge priority for us. It's such a huge rock like place. That's where that's ACDC. That's Wolf mother. That's Tame Impala. Like, you know, there's a bunch of cities there that are yearning for us to come. And I think uh, once we got there and we started posting like, Hey, we're in Byron Bay, the overwhelming, um, amount of questions like when are you playing like are you playing some shows here um kind of made me regret not booking anything um but it's it's a big priority to get there we'll hopefully get there in 24 so not a surprise that they're huge rock fans because it's a continent where literally everything is trying to kill you all the time yeah that and like you know, it's obviously the UK is a great rock market and they are just an extension of the bad boys that once were in the UK, you know, and that's what Australia was back in the day. So it's, um, it's good vibes down there. I, I really like it. I'm like so excited to go back. I don't know if the other guy, the other guys don't like the flight. Um, I don't either, but I do like Australia quite a bit. It's on everything. Bucket like. list. Yeah. You got to get down there. It's awesome. So won't take me alive was the first song you guys wrote for the record. I think it was Won't Take Me Alive and uh, another tune called Ride On. And um, yeah, those were the first two. And then 
everything else just sort of stemmed from there. Just kept building, you know, uh, a database of just riffs and lyrics and melodies and starting to, once you get home, you can take a look at this like sort of Dropbox folder that you accumulate over time of just sound check demos and stuff and get organized and start creating forms of songs and um, take it from there. And then a lot of the like lyrical stuff happened in Australia. Um, so you guys just not. went down there on vacation to just get away? Yes and no, honestly. Like it is nice to get away and just be able to focus. The biggest thing there I say all the time is the time change. Like your phone doesn't even go off until like six or seven at night. That's yeah. when everybody on the West Coast is like waking up. So yeah, there's like no distractions when you're there and you're just clear headed. You don't have any obligations other than just write and like open your mind to the creative process. It's, it's really, it's pretty, um, pretty much bliss for a songwriter. Yeah. Peace and quiet. Good luck trying to find that. Yeah. Can't find that here. That's for sure. <laughs> One of the things I've always loved about you guys is you're kind of on this forefront of independent artists that are, that are, that are just carving your own path. And you've been doing it from the very beginning and showing that it's possible, which in a time where labels have consolidated, well, everything, radio is consolidated, so much is consolidated, and you guys are showing that it is possible for a band to kind of make your own way. What's been the most surprising, surreal thing since the band broke where you guys are looking at each other like, how the fuck did we get here? Yeah, the biggest one is like just your heroes acknowledging like that you're doing something they appreciate. Um, and those are like the, the real pinch me moments um, when you're out on the road and like whoever, any rock, like any rock star like that we loved growing up coming up to you and be like, I love you guys. You know, Michael Anthony and Sammy Hagar like knew all of our names before we even like shook hands. They were like, we hear you on uh, KLOS all the time here in LA and we're like, we love you guys. And we're like, what is going on? And then like we started drinking with those two. That was awesome. Um, you got to bring your A game if you're going to drink with those two. Yeah, you do. Fortunately, you don't have to bring the booze because um, Sammy's got plenty of that. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that's some, it was, those are the moments that I'm really like, wow, I can't believe, like, I just can't believe it. And two guys that look way younger than they are. And again, two more examples of guys that like party <laughs> and, and are going to live forever. Yeah. No, they were awesome. Um, can't say enough nice things about those guys and Jason Bonham and Vic too. Like they were, they were really, really cool to us. Actually, Sammy was trying to get me to sing uh, rock and roll by Zeppelin. When they did that show, we were with them in Memphis. And like, I was, I was out front enjoying the show and he's like backstage, like asking for me to come sing. And I was like, I, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. Like it was totally spontaneous. And then uh, he came back after they finished. He's like, where the fuck were you? I wanted you to sing Zeppelin for me. And I was like, that was a missed opportunity. <laughs> it's like, here's my number. Can you text me next time? Yeah, just Mr. text me. Give me a 10 minute heads up. I'll sprint wherever I need to go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, they were awesome. Those guys are great. If he had called you up on stage live in that moment, could you have busted it out? No problem. Oh, easy. I've sang that song a million times in the bars here. Easily. 
How many songs do you think you could sing off the top of your head right now that are not Dirty Honey songs? Oh, a ton. Yeah, a ton. I mean, the repertoire that we used to have in the bars and clubs for like bar gigs was immense, you know? And there's a lot of stuff that, you know, if if four guys don't all know it, you can't play it, but there's a ton of stuff that we wouldn't do that I obviously know and grew up with. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. I don't even, I couldn't even put a number on it. I don't know. I'm a firm believer that like, we only have so much brain space. So if it's filled with song lyrics for you, what do you forget all the time? Because your brain is full of song lyrics because there's oh, gotta everything, be some- everything else. <laughs> <laughs> my wallet, my keys, my phone, where I parked, uh, you name it. I don't know anything. <laughs> Your tour manager must just want to strangle you every day. Fortunately, master tour on your phone does help, but I have to have my phone for me to know what day it is and where we are and where we're going. Wait, what is, what is that an app? Yeah. It's an app that basically has your schedule, the addresses of all the venues, the addresses of the hotels. Um, It's got the whole tour mapped out for you. So you like aren't ever lost. And then tour managers will, always get angry if like you ask them anything and it's on master tour, you didn't need to ask them, you know? So that's always like one of their pet peeves, but. So it's basically, it's a a digital version of the day sheet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We talk about that all the time because my husband is in the military and the concept of the day sheet makes him so happy. I'm sure. It's like, that sounds like heaven to anybody that lives and dies by organization. Which I do not. (laughs) Well, how can you? You have 10,000 song lyrics in your head. (laughs) That and just, uh, you know, you wake up in a different city every day and it's like the first thing you have to do is like go on your phone and like, where do I go in Boston? Where do I go in New York for this? Or wherever you are, you just, you're completely, it is nice actually as you, get acquainted with all these cities around the country and around the world, like having places that, you know, you like to go to and then feeling at home, you know, when, when you're six, 7,000 miles away from home, sometimes it's, it is nice to know that there's some comforts that you are well acquainted with on the road. Um, Well, you know that if you needed something in Boston that you don't need master tour, the app, you call (laughs) me and I will take care of it for you. I have a lot of friends in Boston that are still there and, uh, yeah, Boston's Boston's not a uh, a tough one. That's obviously a great American city that has um, all the things I like. But uh, yeah, I got some friends that like to show me around. It's a good time. You're the perfect person for me to bring this up to because you're a West Coast guy. I heard this hilarious. I saw it on TikTok, and I hate say I hate being one of those people. It's like I saw this video on TikTok, but it's the truth. The concept between being nice and kind, and I don't know about it. So. East Coast people are not nice. Okay. And West Coast people are not kind. They're not nice either, I can tell you. So the the example that was given, and you're a West Coast guy, so you tell me if it's true, that if you had a flat tire on the West Coast, a ton of people will stop and be like, oh, I'm really sorry that happened to you, and then leave. Whereas an East Coast person will pull over, criticize you for getting a flat tire, and then push you out of the way and change it for you. And it's the difference between being nice and kind. Do you think that's true? 
Uh, the only thing that I find untrue about that is on the West Coast, they wouldn't even stop. <laughs> <laughs> there would be no conversation. <laughs> but the East Coast people would bust your balls about the flat tire, motherfuck you about it, and then change it for you. Possibly, quite possibly. Um, I mean, I'm from I'm from upstate New York, so I do have a particular, like a unique uh, perspective. But yeah, if my dad saw somebody having trouble changing a tire, he'd probably help you out. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. You're kind of a a graduated Californian, though. By now, like you seem uh, yeah, like somebody that just kind of loves the lifestyle of it. I really do, actually. Yeah. yeah, I was like just surfing like a little while ago. Like I grew into that, and um getting on the bike on the beach like that's my that's totally my shit now but on the flip side like i was just in new york city and like i feel completely home back in the city like i love i love everything you know and i like to experience everything the world has to offer so um you know new york was home uh la has been home for a while now but i do always love going back to that energy of new york city there's nothing like it Last time you were on the show, we spent a lot of time talking about your your long distance kind of motorcycle rides and how you just like to just get out on the road. This year, I finally got to check off my bucket list going to Sturgis. Oh, how was it? Oh, and just all of that. I loved it. That's so funny. That is not my vibe at all. Well, not so much like the strip and like the drinking. I'm talking about the riding. I'm talking about the riding riding is good. The riding was just beautiful. All those national parks and like going to Devil's Tower and that's the stuff going to the Badlands. Like that's the stuff that I loved. Yeah, that would be that's more my speed. I have no like like affinity for hanging with a like uh, 500,000 biker dudes like that are drinking and riding all day. Like that's not my, that's not my thing. Right before we went on the road here, I went up to, to uh, British Columbia and Alberta and did like a ride from Seattle to Banff and then back. It was like something like 2,400 miles in like five days. It was awesome. Like some of the best riding I could have ever imagined through the Canadian Rockies. But uh, yeah, I like to get out there and like be alone and just not have to worry about, anybody or anything and yeah so Sturgis I went we played it one year and I was like this looks like my nightmare kind of (laughs) but if it wasn't Sturgis like if it was just the nature around it and I was riding I would absolutely love it I would love to go again without the festival being there yeah the riding out there is amazing and like you know having to wait in traffic because there's a herd of buffalo crossing the road interesting yeah that's the best I'm gonna go do it next week too and um Wyoming and hit Yellowstone and stuff. So that'll be, that's in my very, very near future. Yellowstone's on my bucket list too. That's amazing. We spent a lot of time talking about you guys getting back on the road, obviously when you were on the show and with the new album coming out and all the tour dates, when you get back on the road, you've got to obviously adjust to being on the road in the bus, close quarters, the whole thing. What's a movie that gets quoted at nauseum on the dirty honey tour bus? Oh man, that's a good question. I don't, that's a good question. I don't think there is one, to be honest. The other guys do, they do watch a lot of um, movies and stuff. I'm usually, there's every once in a while we do movie night. But yeah, I don't think there's a quote that I can hang my hat on that we would. 
or or one specific movie like Step Brothers or like for me I can't go a day without quoting Ghostbusters. It just happens. Yeah, like for us it'd probably be the Big Lebowski or something. Like that. <laughs> That's usually a mainstay. We had a moment there. We were watching. Um, oh God, what was the show? We were all watching Succession together. That was cool. <gasps> so um, good. So good. And then, uh, yeah, but that's only like, we only do that if there's like weird. So if you have a show at night and then you have to leave right after the show to make it to a festival, like midday the next day, and you're on the bus at like our super early weird time, that's when it happens. So when you're on your own tour and you have your own rhythm, you're really not hanging on the bus that much until you have to go to bed. So you just go right to bed. By the time the album comes out on November 3rd, um, my favorite day of the year will be gone, which is Halloween. No surprise to anybody. Yeah. Do you have greatest childhood Halloween costume memory from your growing up? Yeah, I was Steven Tyler one year when I was oh, like, Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Went to school. I had a big wig on. I had the circle hoop, like sunglasses. I brought a guitar to school. I had an Aerosmith shirt, like the whole thing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I love that Aerosmith released all of the like the the list of tech for the tour and it said five scarves and I was like there is not a chance in hell Steven Tyler only has five scarves on that tour. Oh no way. No way. There's no way. No. His wardrobe is sick too. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm sure. What about the holidays? Do you go back east to see the folks for the holidays? Yeah, I won't uh, be able to do Thanksgiving this year, but I'll, I always make a point to do Christmas because um, I've got a bunch of nieces and nephews now that, uh, you know, are fun to see and, you know, fun to experience the holidays with them. And obviously I like seeing my my family too. Um, but yeah, Thanksgiving's going to be tough because we're going to be on the road this year. So I'll get back for Christmas and then um, my mom and stepdad they usually go down to florida for like new Year's, so i usually go down there and they're outside of tampa and i'm a massive massive tampa bay buccaneers fan so oh. we usually have the game sad that brady's gone yes or no not anymore thank god <laughs> fuck him dude <laughs> Fuck Brady. He's fucking up our Delta Airlines already. He fucked up my sports team. And he gave you a the, Super Bowl. What do you mean he fucked kinda, it up? Well, I had no like I had no real appreciation for that Super Bowl. I was obviously happy about it, but it's just so weird to have this legend come in and just kind of pretty easily win you a Super Bowl. And then it's like, all right, I'm out. There wasn't this like growth with a team that I love and they finally like get over the hurdle. It, it was that way for everybody else on the team, but kind of felt, I would love it if Baker Mayfield did it. That'd be awesome. Cause everybody's already written them off, you know? Yeah. Are you part of one of those rock star fantasy football leagues? I know Jerry Cantrell oh, no, has one together. Definitely not that deep into it. Um, I got better things to do than play fantasy football. Probably <laughs> 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 go on a motorcycle trip. Yeah. Well, that's, can you take the bike? Have you taken it overseas? So I hear shipping. I it's kind of over a there. I rent a lot. Um, there's a bunch of rental companies. So I usually, after every tour, I'll usually go somewhere. It's usually Italy. I love Italy, but the Italian Dolomites, the mountains up there are like insane. 
So that's always fun to ride through. That's another thing on my bucket list too. I'm literally living vicariously through your <laughs> life right now. Do it, man. You got to do it. You, this is, right now, literally right now is such a good time to be there because like the leaves are just changing in the mountains and uh, they they tend to hold their color for a lot longer than they do here, especially in, in Northern Italy. And uh, it's super, super beautiful. So you talk about Australia, Italy for inspirational purposes and overall awe of the human experience where's the most inspirational place you've been or have you not been there yet um italy's a big one for sure you're you're surrounded by beautiful nature and like crazy artists you know that have obviously there's a huge history of art in in italy and that part of europe but um that's a that's probably the one i think um nature wise like yeah wyoming grand teton yellowstone that's a big one um up around banff is really inspiring but i'll go with italy for the sake of the question (laughs) uh bon jovi just reissued some slippery when wet tour merchandise and they reissued the shirt from my first rock concert ever oh sick yeah I totally had to buy it because I didn't buy it. I think I still have mine, actually. Thank God. That's what I was going to ask. First concert or first rock concert, because my first concert wasn't a rock concert. And did you buy a shirt and do you still have it? Yeah, I did. It was Aerosmith at SPAC and we just played SPAC with Guns N' Roses. So that was cool for me. Um, It was totally a weird full circle thing. But yeah, I do have the shirt. I think I I got a couple shirts that night. There's one of like Joe Perry's like holding the guitar out and it just has the Aerosmith logos at the bottom. And then uh, it was just like an album tour tee that I got as well. So it's somewhere in my closet. Since I talked to you last, a question has come up. I blame Geezer Butler <clears throat> because I was talking to him and we were talking about his pets and he said that he's got 13 cats and five dogs which was shocking. Then I said, how do you keep track of them all? How do you name them all? He told me that he names them all after gangster rappers. And after I stopped laughing, after I fell on the floor, it's now known as the geezer question on the show. So do you have pets? What are they named? And if not, tell me the story of your favorite childhood pet. I don't have a pet. Um, I used to, I used to have a Weimaraner named Sebastian. He was my roommate's dog that I sort of like took better care of than he did. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really fell in love with them. He was probably like five when the dog moved in with me. And uh, yeah, I, I, I love that dog. He was awesome. Um, but yeah, it just, I, I do love dogs. My dad has a black lab still. That's like going on 14 years old. He's an old boy, but uh Fuck, I think my dad likes the dog more than he likes likes the kids. He <laughs> jokes. He's like, I don't have any tattoos of my kid. I mean, he's got a big tattoo of his dog. So, Well, before I let you go, the new album, Can't Find the Breaks, comes out November 3rd. I am sitting here staring at all of your tour dates for the rest of the year, and I see no New England appearances. So, will be coming. Don't worry. They'll be coming. That's what I'm asking. So, you guys are on the road. It looks like you're going to wrap things up in St. Louis in mid-December, and then you're going to go to upstate New York and visit the fam, go to Tampa, see your beloved Bucks, 
Um, what's twenty twenty four? What's twenty twenty four look like for Dirty Honey? What's 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 on tap? We'll have to we'll have to get some shows in New England along with um, some stuff in Australia, Japan, South America, Europe for the you know umpteenth time, and then uh, yeah, probably some festivals um, tucked in there, and and all along the way, like start writing the next record. You know, it's not even out yet. You guys are already planning the next one. I mean, I'm always writing. You have to be, you have to get ahead of it. And I think, you know, there's usually a lull after you record a record that where you're just like creatively tapped, but you got to fill up again so you can spill out. It's going to be good. Are you putting them in a notebook? Where are the ideas? In your phone? On the phone. Yeah. They're always on the phone. You got to, don't forget. Yeah, I won't. To back it up. Yeah. Yeah. No, it always is. I know your memory is bad. And if your tour manager (laughs) doesn't put it in the app, Back your phone up or we could lose amazing Dirty Honey songs. I will. Thank you. Sure. Uh, now I can sleep at night. Will you, <laughs> Me too. will you please tell the guys I said hi? It was so good to see you. Yeah, well, we'll get out there. I know John is really itching to play Portland, Maine, and, and I obviously love playing Boston. That's a, obviously a great market for us, too. So thanks to you. And um, Well, listen, since I talked to you last... I'm on the radio all over the place, including the rock station in his hometown of Portland now. Oh, nice. So it's not just Boston anymore. I've taken over New England. We'll, we'll, have, to, we'll have to connect you guys and then you can uh, chop it up about uh, New England and, yes. uh, you know, get that connection going. But yeah, we had a gig in Portland um, on the last tour with uh, Mammoth that was selling really well and we had to postpone something because of COVID and they couldn't make it up for whatever reason. I think it was like venue availability, but uh, it was like, he was so excited to play that show. I, yeah. It was at the, what's the theater called up there? It was um, the state theater or state theater. Uh, state yeah, theater. State yeah. theater. So it's out already. And he was so pumped and um, yeah, we got to get back there for him. Yeah. So. Well, listen, that's, that's one of my stations now. A lot's changed since we talked oh, yeah. last. So now I got him on the radio up in Maine too. Awesome. Can't wait. All right. Tell everybody I said hi. I will. Good to see you. on the new album. Happy Halloween. Well, happy Halloween to you. All right, honey. I'll see you later. All right. Take care. There he is. Mark LaBelle from Dirty Honey. The new album, Can't Find the Breaks, is coming out on November 3rd. And the band is on the road till the end of the year. You want to check the tour dates? All you got to do is check the links in the show notes of this episode. You'll find all of Dirty Honey's links. You'll find Mark's links and all the Mistress Carrie links as well. And you'll find the link to episode 45, his last appearance on the show, and his episode of Cocktails in the War Room. You're also going to find the link to this episode's corresponding playlist, I make a playlist for every episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast that features all of my guest new music and all the artists and songs that we referenced in the interview. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday, plus every weekday, you get the sit rep. In around five minutes, I give you all of your rock news, music headlines, and entertainment updates. And besides, you never know when we're going to release a bonus episode. You can always catch me live every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern on my official Facebook page for my video show, Cocktails in the War Room, and you can find me on the radio. Get the details on all that and more at MistressCarrie.com. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network.